in this inning, after Beatty advances him, Ronnie Mauricio steals third base. And, of course, Daniel Vogelback strikes out because, well, of course he did. And that creates the scenario. The scenario that became the talk of the series. Omar Narvaez draws a walk. The Mets are down a run. They have first and third with two outs. They send up Timmy LeCastro as a pinch runner. And Tori Lovello, much to the chagrin of Gary Cohen, this became like the story of the series, doesn't hold LeCastro on. He is giving Tim LeCastro second base, to which Gary is freaking out. And what I love about Gary Cohen is that when he has an opinion that he feels really strongly in, he's one of the most hard-headed guys you'll ever hear. If there's an official scoring decision he doesn't like, he's going to harp on it for five innings. I mean, can you believe they call that an error? I mean, can you believe that? He goes nuts. He was so disgusted by Tori Lovello doing something that I think we'd all agree feels very unorthodox, which is allowing the winning run to steal second base. Brandon Nimmo eventually flies out. Turns out not to matter. Mets lose. I gave this thing a lot of thought. This is such a baseball geeky kind of thing. But I started to ask the question of, okay, I get why Gary's freaking out. I thought the same thing. Like, why would you just allow the winning run to steal second base? And so before I even saw what Lavello said, I did research on it. I started looking at how effective has LeCastro been stealing a base? How effective defensively is the catcher behind the plate? And then overall, I started to remind myself, it's 2023. Stealing bases, I don't want to say is easy, but it's easy. Guys are stealing bases at an incredibly high clip. So does that make us have to look at this situation very differently? This is not two years ago. This is not five years ago. This isn't as simple as you're allowing the lead run to steal second base. I'm a traditionalist, but you also have to admit this is a different season. This is a different world. Stolen bases are occurring at like an 85% clip. It's absurd. Tim LaCastro, I'm not even kidding you, Hoff. I looked this up. In his major league career, is 45 for 50 in stealing bases. That, that's, that's a 90% clip. You do not throw Tim LaCastro out. So the more I thought about it, not that I loved it, the more I said, I get it. Like, I get what he's... I get what Tori Lovello's saying. He's saying, okay, I can hold the runner on. I don't have my defense position best. Brandon Nemo could hit a ground ball towards first base. That's it. And I'm not stopping LeCastro from stealing second base. I'm not doing it. I'm not throwing him out. I'm not even going to let my catcher throw to second base because remember the tying runs on third. It's Ronnie Mauricio, who very well could just steal home as that throw is being made. If I do throw, it could go in the outfield. You could say, well, Evan, you're, you're, you're talking about playing scared. No, I'm talking about playing realistic. So by the end of the night, I said to myself, I think Lavello's right. I think Gary freaked out for no reason. So the next day, for those that watched it, Gary, I think in like the second or third inning says, hey, by the way, I want to address the stolen base thing from a night earlier. I could have sworn, wow, Gary's going to apologize. Gary lays out Lavello's points, which was basically what I just said. Because I think once you start to think about it deeper, it does make sense. The stolen bases nowadays, LeCastro's effectiveness, the catcher behind the plate. So Gary does a great job laying it out. And then basically says, yeah, I still think he's wrong. 
I still think he's wrong. What made me laugh, though, is that this, I guess, freak out got back to the Diamondbacks. You know, got back to them about what was said because it was a very over, I want to say like, it was an over-the-top reaction. This is the, I think Gary said this is the most boneheaded managerial move I've ever seen. So Brett Strom, the pitching coach of the Arizona Diamondbacks, responds. And he comes out and says, Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez are idiots. <laughs> Here's exactly what he said. I think Tory made a very, very good choice of playing behind LeCastro, despite what the really smart Cohen and Hernandez group had to say, because I think they're idiots for what they said. I, I, I'm sorry. This is what's wrong with America. Like, seriously, this is an interesting debate. Like, seriously, I bet you, for those that are still listening to the Rico, because the Mets suck, um, there are going to be people on both sides of this. There are going to be people on it who say, Evan, you know what? I kind of get it. You're not throwing them out anyway. I know it's unorthodox. I get what Lavello's doing. And then there's going to be the old school thought of, despite that, you cannot let the winning run steal second base. The fact that Gary to say it's the most boneheaded move ever, which it's not, and now Strom's response is they're idiots. Isn't that everything that's wrong with America? This is a good baseball debate, and yet both sides think the other side is a giant schmuck. <laughs> like, it's a baseball debate. Once you lay it out, Hoff, would you agree it's like a 50-50 debate, a 60-40 debate? Like, it's a baseball I debate. Could, I could see both sides. Listen, I'm actually on the Lavello side, to be honest with you. I get it. I've watched, yeah. I've watched too much Little League Baseball for me to be, like, overcommit to that if you're not going to throw the guy out and it's going to cause chaos. Um, I love Gary, though. I don't care. Like, it's – Gary's such a smart – I don't want to say nerd, but they he really – between him and Howie, I, what did Howie have to say? I'm curious to hear what Howie said. Was he working on this game? Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's a good point. I'm not sure what he said. Like, I, I should go back and hear if there was even a strong opinion offered because I think in the moment, you know, with the game on the line, it's easy to say, wow, they're not holding him on. I'm surprised. McCaster takes second base. And then ultimately, Nimmo flies out. So it's not as if the base hit ends the game. Look, Gary is a, is a brilliant guy. And I agree that when it first happened, I was very surprised. Like, I'm not going to act as if in the moment I thought this was brilliant. I had to give it time. I had to kind of look at it closer because I was fascinated by it and say, okay, there's got to be a reason behind it. Like, Tori Lovello is a good manager. He's not a village idiot. There's a reason. Let's find the reason. And what's funny is the reasons I found were what he said because it kind of makes sense when you think about it. I just think it was a good baseball debate, and I still do. And I, I'm i with you, Pete. I, I'm more on the side of Lavello because it feels like stealing second base right now has become so automatic. And Tim LaCastro, and this is why he's a weapon. It's why I wanted him on the team back in spring training. He is an automatic to steal second base, so why fight it? Which is, which is why I'm so confused as how Nimmo has stolen – Minimal bases this year because it is almost an automatic. What is he doing? <laughs> it's a good question. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good question. Uh, so the Mets lose game one, game two. 
Uh, look, the Mets scored a bunch of runs. Pete Alonso hit a bomb of a home run, his 44th home run. Ronnie Mauricio hit his first major league home run, which was an absolute laser beam in the fourth inning. But I think the story was Jose Budo. I think Jose Budo, in a very limited amount of time, because it's only a couple of starts, has been impressive enough for me to say, okay, not he should be in the rotation, but okay, this is this is interesting. Now I, I stand by you can't read that much into what you see in September, but two very good starts in a row. Remember, his last start was into the seventh inning. He allowed two runs. This start was five innings, one run, 91 pitches, seven strikeouts. Got a ton of swing and misses on his changeup. I thought he looked good. And I think where Jose Budo is playing himself right now is into, not the rotation, but into the depth mix. You're going to need pitchers six through nine. It's just what it is. Coming into the year this year, David Peterson was one of those guys. Tyler McGill was one of those guys. Joey Lucchese is one of those guys. More on him in a second. Jose Budo ended up being one of those guys, but was not necessarily six through nine. He was probably like 11 and ended up making starts. His last two starts have been impressive, though, especially against this Diamondback lineup. So I don't think he's doing enough for me to say, hey, she can beat for a rotation spot because I do want the rotation going into next year to be more firm than Jose Budo competing for a spot. But I think he's gotten, at least to me, on the radar of, okay, that's a depth guy. And here's why that matters. I don't know. I've given this thought over the last couple of days and weeks, really. We've talked about Peterson and McGill. Like, they're not it. They're not it. I think we've got to strongly consider next year Peterson and McGill being relievers. That <coughs> we kind of have to abandon them being a part of the depth, guys. I don't know if it's ever going to happen for either guy. Like, we're sitting here waiting. They're getting full opportunities since the trades. They're making starts every five days. I think the best of what we may ever see from David Peterson is a bullpen arm. And considering the bullpen blows, and considering as we started the podcast, there are so many guys that are not good, Peterson and McGill probably fit there. And that's what's going to make Budo and Lucchese two of the depth guys. Now, obviously, they got some pitching prospects that are getting closer. Mike Vassell had a very good start on Thursday night. He's getting closer. Christian Scott is getting closer. So, Right now, it's September. We got a long time before March. Budo, Lucchese, depth guys, Peterson, McGill, make them relievers. That's where I lean. So the only thing I have to say about that, about McGill and Peterson, I feel like they like Peterson in particular is like more crafty or tries to be more crafty because they're not lights out pitchers. They're not throwing like we don't have anybody in the bullpen besides Edwin Diaz that blows anybody away. You look at the exit velo. You look at the velocity on, on these pitchers. You know, they're maxing out. Like, their average is like 93, maybe 94. It's it's not very high considering the top of the top echelon in the bullpen. You know, Edwin Diaz is up there, but that's about it. We, I, I understand McGill and Peterson. You're trying to figure out what you could do with them, but they can't. We can't have a bull. <laughs> we can't have a bullpen of Adovino, Drew Smith, Tyler McGill, David Peterson, and, and Brooks Raley and me be like, oh, we're, we're locked and loaded to go. I mean, I might no. as well just hand the ball. I might as well throw the ball over the fence for him. No, no, no. They they need to add relievers. They, no, no doubt about it. I think that's, you know, when I think of Stearns' priorities in terms of building a winner in 24, not just transitioning with young prospects, it's a pitching rotation and a bullpen. 
it's your staff one through 12. You know, there are a few guys that are locks like Edwin Diaz. He's a lock and you hope he returns to what he was in 2022. We know about Senga and we know about Quintana, but the rest of those 12 spots, they need to add like competent major leaguers. And that includes the bullpen. One other thing from this game that is a little bit of a knock on Lindor, but I'm growing accustomed to this, not just with Francisco, but with a lot of guys in baseball. Cattell Marte tagged Lindor in the head. I don't know if anybody remembers this play. This is a very hard tag, and Lindor falls to the ground. They could not wait to hug each other. Like, it was, oh, my God, I touched you in the head. I cannot wait to hug you. And I know that's baseball in 2023. I'm going to sound like the old guy, get off my lawn. But Lindor loves every opponent. Like, every opponent he loves. I can't wait to hug you. I'm going to give you a high five. I'm going to have a conversation with you. And it is what it is. It's it, Does it bother me? Maybe a little bit. Does it mean anything? Not really. It's just me getting it off my chest. That's all it is. Like, when I saw that with Marte and Lindor, I kind of chuckled. Like, oh, my God. They could not wait to hug each other because Cattell Marte had the balls to give Lindor a hard tag in the head. Well, I mean, listen. What, what do, do you prefer seeing that or do you prefer do you prefer seeing the Mets basically you know tough it out be a little bit mantra and be basically be like do this is our house get the freak off my lawn basically you know bean people and fight do all that stuff and then you know just kind of get that it's it's like one of two ways they're either really too passive of a team where they're just way too relaxed and like hey nobody we don't care in the world we're just playing baseball we're having a good time or they're like a, you know, like the 98 Yankees. Or like, you know, when they were had those huge brawls. Was it the 98 or 96 Yankees? Those huge brawls with the Red Sox, the Orioles. Like, they just brawl on everybody. Is that what you prefer seeing? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Is that what I prefer seeing? <laughs> As opposed to a team that gets bullied? And that's probably why it annoys me. Right? Because this has been going on in baseball for a very long time, and it's not always annoyed me. I think it annoys me because this team gets bullied. Because this team has been hit 150 times and they haven't done anything about it. And Lindor was the one who publicly said, hey, maybe a fight would be good for us. And I see a lot more of the making out on the field and the hugging opponents than I do actually standing up for yourself. And I think that's why an innocuous moment between Lindor and Cattell Marte in the midst of a four-game series in September that doesn't mean anything probably bothered me. Because the rest of the season has been and is what felt like the Mets being bullied. Well, I have a solution. It's very simple. Trade Jeff McNeil to the Braves or to the to the Nationals or whatever, and I guarantee you there'll be a brawl sooner or later between him and <laughs> that'll That'll open up the brawl. Lindor and McNeil can finally unleash <laughs> from a few years ago. Uh, game three of this series I was very excited about because I went. I actually went to the game. It was uh, – a slump I've been in because of how sick I was. Remember, I went to that one game against Texas. I left in the third inning because I was so, so screwed up. So I went to the game on Wednesday night. It was great. I, I kind of, it reminded me why, even when your team sucks, it's so fun to go to games. The place was so empty that I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is so easy. Going up the stairs, and there's nobody around. The game's over. I go down the stairs, there's nobody around. I had to had a bathroom call in the sixth inning. Nobody's around. So it's just a reminder that there is something nice about going to the ballpark when your team is terrible. There's just nobody around. And it was a nice game because the Mets kicked Arizona's butt again. Joey Lucchese, your guy, 
delivered. And Lucchese, very similar to Budo, has not had a lot of opportunities at the major league level this season. Like Joey Lucchese has made seven starts for the New York Mets. Seven. Dude, look at his numbers. He's 3-0. He's got a low three ERA. He's had a couple of dandies mixed in there. And he was outstanding on Wednesday night. He was great. He didn't strike a lot of guys out, didn't need to. He was able to get a lot of ground balls. It felt like every ball was a ground ball to short or a ground ball to third. And he was fully in control to the point where Buck did something that really, really surprised me, especially for a guy coming off Tommy John surgery. He allowed him to start the eighth inning with a pitch count of 91. I was stunned by it. Lucchese at that point had pitched seven innings. He had allowed five hits. His pitch count, like I mentioned, was at 91. It was 9-1-2 and two of the order in the eighth inning, and he kind of got screwed by Lindor. He walked the leadoff hitter, which is on Lucchese, and then he got Marte to hit a ground ball to shortstop, which could have been a double play, and Lindor booted it. And that was it for Joey, but seven-plus innings, five hits, one run that I think turned out to be unearned, three walks, two strikeouts, great performance by Joey Lucchese. He's not as young as we all think, though. He's 30 now. Isn't that crazy? 30 years old. But that's a depth guy. That's what he is. Joey Lucchese and Jose Budo, if we're trying to learn anything from September, and more than that, there starts throughout the year, more so with Joey because he's made six of them or seven of them, he fits kind of that depth role. Offensively in this game, Pete Alonso drove in three more runs. Mark Vientos hit a home run. Vientos' home runs recently have been impressive because he's been doing it against some really good pitching. Remember, the Mets beat up Zach Allen in this game, who is one of the better pitchers in the National League. So, nice win, fun win. When Beatty was pulled after the sixth inning, I thought it was for defense. We later find out it's a groin issue, but it's minor. When I heard groin issue, I even said to my dad that night, I said, we're not going to see him again. That's it. But maybe we will. Maybe we will. So, nice victory to win game three of this series. 